0: Last week, we began an examination of a discourse that Jesus Christ had right on the heels of his healing of the man born blind. And in this revelation of who he was, he uses two powerful metaphors, figures of speech, to highlight the richness of his identity to those who knew his voice. And to utterly confound those who had no part in him. In verse 8 of the reading, Jesus said, All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. In verse 19, there was a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, He has a demon, he's insane. Others said, These are not the words of, him, of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a man born blind? Some hear it and don't get it. Others hear it and receive it. Others are angry. This is a clear dividing line on the earth today. When Jesus revealed who he was and revealed his word, some would hear, others would not. Others would twist it until it was not discernible. And Satan whispers to Eve still today, did God really say? Last week, the metaphor that we looked at was, I am the door. That door is an entry into the church of God. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the body of Christ, and the entry into eternal life. Only through Jesus Christ can man be saved. It's worth repeating. Only through Jesus Christ can man be saved from eternal damnation, torment, and separation from God. Through that door only we find freedom. Through that door only we find the fullness and satisfaction that is to be found in Jesus Christ. He is that door. This week in the second part of the metaphor, we get a fuller picture of our restored relationship to God. The relationship that God intends through Jesus Christ. Not only is Jesus Christ the door to the sheepfold, he is the good shepherd himself. The shepherd of that sheepfold. And today we'll focus, we'll look on three main points. You can see them on the back of the bulletin that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, the good shepherd provides for his sheep, and the sheep know the voice of the good shepherd, and he knows them. First of all, twice in this passage, Jesus says, that he lays down his life for his sheep. In verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Again in verse 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. Twice more he says it in 17 and 18 in his relationship with the Father. That Jesus does this of his own accord. He does this willingly. But why, why do sheep need such a defense that the shepherd would lay down his life for them? Sheep, and we're not talking bighorn sheep with the big rack, we're talking farm sheep, pet, they have no natural defenses. They have no natural weapons. They have no fangs. They have no claws, they have no venomous tail, they have no speed, they can't climb, they can't jump, they can't burrow, they have no camouflage, they are utterly bereft of wisdom, discernment, common sense, and initiative. Left alone They are doomed. This is me and this is you. What a great metaphor for where we are apart from Christ. We are doomed. In our sin, we have no hope. I can't rid myself of my sin any more than I can rid myself of my skin. It penetrates right to the core. I need a defender. I need a cleanser. And Jesus makes very clear that not anybody is just going to lay down their life for the sheep. The hired hand is not going to do that. He's going to see the wolf and he's going to beat feet. Now this is not an indictment against pastors here. God's word says much to pastors as under shepherds under Christ. In 1 Peter 5, verses 1-4, to 4, just a great passage about a pastor's responsibility to the sheep of God. Peter writes in verses 1-4 through 4 of chapter 5, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. God desires his under-shepherds. To be like him. Jeremiah 3 verse 15 is a really pithy, poignant verse for pastors. God says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart. Who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. So these these hired hands that are running away. He's not talking about pastors. So. But what price is the good shepherd going to pay? What would a shepherd do if he lost a sheep? He is going to go find the sheep. A great example of looking after the sheep, you've got the parable of the lost sheep. The shepherd's going to leave the 99. It's not like he's concerned about them. They're going to be right there. There's no threat at the point. So he goes looking for this lost sheep. But David also, when he goes to attack Goliath or wants to attack Goliath, he first is taken before Saul. And Saul looks at him and goes, dude, you know, he's, you're, you're just a kid. What are you going to do? And David says to him in First Samuel 17, verses 34 to 36, David says to the king, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied the armies of the living God. David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. The hired hand is going to flee. The good shepherd is going to stay and fight lion and bear. At the risk of his own life. How far will the good shepherd go jesus says four times i lay down my life for the sheep why well first understand that the shepherd doesn't need to do this jesus christ did not need to do this he could have done nothing he could have stayed in perfect unity with the father and the holy spirit And left us all to perish. That would have been the consequence. The sheep needed rescuing. And so Jesus was willing as the good shepherd. To lay down his life for his sheep. All the way to the cross. As with David striking down the lion and the bear. Every one of us was in the mouth of the lion. Peter uses that analogy in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 when he says your adversary, your enemy, the devil prowls about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Isaiah uses that example as well. under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says, We each, like sheep, had gone astray. Each of us had turned to his own way. Our sin held each of us condemned in the mouth of the lion. If not for the rescue of the Good Shepherd, if not for the Good Shepherd laying down his life for us, each of us would die eternal damnation, torment unceasing, No reprieve, no easing up. You think it can't get worse, and then it gets worse. Forever separated from God. Forever separated from anything good. And to the rescue comes the shepherd. And lays down his life for his sheep. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 5 of the same chapter, he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, Paul writes, For he, the Father, made him, the Son, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. you think of the hired hands running away. Paul writes to the church at Rome in chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. A hired hand will scarcely die for a sheep. One will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. Well, maybe if it was a prized sheep. But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, the weakest of the sheep, the feeblest of the sheep, Christ died for us. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever should believe on him would not perish but have everlasting life. To save a people for himself, to save his sheep, so Saint, if, the, if the Lord Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, is going to go to that extent for us, the rest of these points should be pretty easy to swallow. Our second point is that the good shepherd provides for his sheep. In chapter 10, verse 10 of John, Jesus says that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But the good shepherd, I came, that they may have life And have it abundantly. An abundant life. Our abundant life begins with salvation, but it doesn't end there. It is not merely a get out of hell free card for us. His desire for us is that we live as he created us to be. In the fullness of relationship with him. To know life abundant now in this life and the next. He cares for our needs now and then. And that takes us to the 23rd Psalm. I invite you to flip over there. And we'll just briefly look at how the good shepherd provides for his sheep. We see... In the first verse, we will not want, we will not be in need. He is the one who is going to make us lie down in green pastures, places of provision, places where we can rest. He is going to lead us beside still waters where we will find drink, not to be feared, not to fall in. Still waters not where evil lies. He is the one who will restore our souls in verse three. He is going to lead us in paths of righteousness. Where is the shepherd going to lead? I don't know. But am I going to trust him? Do I trust that he is going to lead me in paths of righteousness, even though I can't see around the bend, even though it seems threatening to me even now? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You are with me. Isaiah chapter 42, 43, Isaiah 42 or 43. The first couple of verses, you know, he's through the waters, through the fires. He is with us. 43. He is with us, his rod and our staff. They comfort me. They discipline me. He disciplines me with his rod and his staff, but his rod and his staff hold me close. His rod and his staff are the things that will fend off the enemy. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You go, wow, okay. That probably doesn't mean now. Now. And we get gun-shy. We become so gun-shy against the prosperity gospel. And I would say rightly so because the prosperity gospel is not a gospel. It's just health and wealth. But we're so gun-shy against that that we miss the truth that God desires his children to delight in his provision that he has given us. Both now and in the future. I don't offer you prosperity but in Christ I do offer you contentment. You've heard it preached from this pulpit before, Philippians chapter 4 verse 11. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. That secret? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I offer you God's promises. Jesus taught us to pray Give us this day our daily bread. Pray that. Pray that to the Father. God, give us this day our daily bread. At five bucks a gallon? On a fixed income? This hurts. How bad is it going to get in our country? I don't know. Are truckers going to be able to deliver the food? I don't know. I look in my backyard. I have no goats. I have no sheep. I have no chicken. I have no garden. And it would be very easy to start wringing my hands. But God says, give us this day our daily bread. Later in that same chapter, Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 27 and 31 to 33, he says, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. This is the good shepherd calling us. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single life, or single hour, to his span of life? You're not going to do it. Therefore, Jesus says, "Do not be anxious." Saying, "What shall we eat?" or "What shall we drink?" or "What shall we wear?" For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you the good shepherd shall lead you does this mean christians will never suffer famine nope certainly not but we know that all provision abundance and leanness is by god's hand If our shepherd withholds us, if we are going through a time, if we are being led on a path of famine and thinness, it is only to take us to a better place. Will we trust his hand? I have learned to be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Do we have eyes to see his goodness to us in those situations and circumstances? Can I see God's provision? If I am in need, even then God provides for us. How does God provide? God has provided us a church. If I suffer need, I can call upon the Lord. I can call upon his church. For his provision. Hey, I've gotten myself into a financial hole and I can't get out. Well, within the church, there might be men and women who are financially savvy. And can help you manage your money. How do I work myself out of this hole that I've gotten into? They might have a means to help you move out of debt. Well, man i'm I'm trapped in a lifestyle or i'm trapped in a sin which i don't have the strength to overcome i've I've got a wretched gambling addiction i i am I am consumed by alcohol i can't help it and I turn to pornography and the sins that accompany that man i'm I'm just lazy. To tell you the truth, I'll just get home, and these are hypothetical, by the way. Go, man, this guy's a mess. I get home and I just want to sit. I don't want to do nothing. I have fits of anger, fits of jealousy, fits of bitterness, fits of anxiety. I have set up idols in my life. My children are my idol. Oh, my, oh, my ch- kids, oh, anything for my kids. The sacrifices I make for my kids. What if my kids turn away from me and reject me? Money is my idol. More money, investments, more, more. Oh, I've lost some. What do I do? My job is my God. The gym is my God. Arrogance and pride consume me. I have no compassion for the lost and the lowly. How do I love my wife? How do I train up my kids? Saints, God has given us a provision, and the, one of the greatest provisions look around. It's you and me, the church. To help one another. You know, carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, Paul tells the church at Galatia. How how do I be an employee today with my boss, man? How do I I bear the politics of a divided country? What am I going to do with a culture that hates me? I feel beaten. I feel defeated. I feel battered and bruised. Oh, the provision. Of the church. We follow the shepherd. He leads us to paths of healing. He has provided us by empowering our fellow sheep with gifts to exhort, to encourage, to rebuke, to teach, and to train us in all righteousness. Do we have eyes to see his provision even in our suffering? that God provides for us even in our suffering. Sometimes our suffering prevents something worse. Sometimes our suffering will bring about something good. And in all of these things, we have an opportunity in the body to glorify God by what he has done we can offer up thanksgiving to God for his provision and his kindnesses to us. Sadly, we don't testify to the good things God has done in our life. Why? Out of humility. It's going to seem like I'm boasting. No, in the church, we understand that you're nothing. We understand that you're just a person and that all you are is because of what God has done in your life. So if John gets an outstanding on a check right, you know, he can go, I got an outstanding on my check right. We go, Yeah, praise God. That's awesome. That's wonderful. And we can rejoice for what God is doing in his life. We don't want to boast. Let him who boasts boast in the Lord. When we testify to others what God has done, we heap glory upon glory unto God. That others might savor his love, his beauty, his grace, his mercy, his justice, his provision. Paul is really transparent in his letters. He's really transparent about his sufferings. He's really transparent about what God has done. Not in any way boastful. But so that the churches can just, oh, it's fantastic to see what God has done and what God has wrought. It's all for his glory. Your testimony brings god glory your testimony is a provision and encourages the saints god the good shepherd builds the saints up through your glorifying him your testimony helps to restrain the other sheep and your testimony encourages and builds up your own faith the shepherd has laid down his life for us He has provided us in this last point is a point of clarification and a point of warning. The sheep of the sheepfold know their shepherd and his voice. I've used this example before and I watched it again on YouTube this week. There's a YouTube film out there about uh, a sheep following a shepherd's voice. And there's a field of sheep and there's a cluster of people and the shepherd tells them, this is what I am going to do to call to the sheep. And one person gets up and tries to make that noise and that sound of the sheep. And the sheep are all just eating. Dozens of sheep, they're just all eating. Another person gets up and takes their swing at the plate, tries to make that call out to the sheep. One picks its head up, like, "Going what in the world is that? And goes back down to eating. And the shepherd gets up. And he starts to make his call. And it's like popcorn. Berk, 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 berk. Heads start popping up all over the place. And all of a sudden they all start galloping. Berk, toward the shepherd. Because the sheep know the shepherd's voice. If you are his sheep... You know him and his voice. And you are known by the shepherd. Chapter 10. Back to John. Let's get off. Psalm 23. Verse 3 of chapter 10. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. You hear and you respond to the voice of the shepherd. Verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. He reiterates this in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. This is a peculiar thing because at one time you did not hear his voice. And now you do hear his voice. He also says another peculiar thing that you will not follow other voices. Verse 5 of chapter 10, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. You know, how does that work? You are not a sheep. Now you are a sheep. It is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. Paul explains this to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 through 6. He says, "Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing." Okay, they don't get it. They're perishing, they're doomed. In their case, the god of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Who is the image of God for God said, let the light shine out of the darkness. It has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In the preceding chapter, chapter three, verse 18, Paul says, we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. This is the work of the Holy spirit that gives you ears to hear. You are grafted into a Holy spirit filled church built with Holy spirit filled sheep to exhort and encourage one another with the voice of Jesus Christ to rebuke and admonish one another. With his voice. To tell of his excellent greatness. And when we do that. We hear his voice. If the voice we are hearing. Is not his. We will flee. Why would we? Why would we flee? Because we go. That's ah, not right. That whole roaring lion thing. Seeking whom he may devour. Will crop up in our minds. The implications of Christ's declarations here are sobering. To live a life where we repeatedly ignore the truth of Christ implies that you are not one of his sheep. In what ways and places will I hear his voice? Well, right here. In the teaching that comes in Sunday school, in the conversations that we have with one another and with other people and other believers. Have you ever noticed when you're talking with somebody and you find out they're a Christian, you go, I knew that. Through podcasts, through music, through Bible study, through circumstances, might there be a time in our lives where we as sheep are dull of hearing? Yes, but the Lord disciplines those he loves. That we might follow after him. He seeks always to bring about a restored relationship. He seeks the lost, that they might be in the sheepfold. Look at verse 26 of chapter 10. You do not believe because you are not among my sheep. St. What am I going to do when I hear his voice? Am I going to bristle? How is he calling you today in your life to follow after him? What is he telling you to put off and forsake? Did you hear him? What do I do when I hear his voice? How do I respond to a sermon? What do I do with the exhortation of a brother or sister? If I believe my Savior is sovereign, how do I handle the difficulties of my life? If He is our shepherd, if we hear His voice, we will follow. He is going to lead us to new pastures. Some of those may be difficult to get to. God's Word tells us that the way Will be hard, especially before we get to the final pasture in glory. I might be happy right here. I might be contented in this pasture. Christ does not call us to remain in the pasture while the flock and the shepherd move on. We must follow after the shepherd in the hard and difficult places he leads. I must leave my comfort zone, my comfortable pasture, and go where he is going. If I am his sheep, I will obey. We will be transformed by his word. Let me make a quick aside on evangelism here. As you share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you, as you testify about what Jesus has done in your life, as you share the witness about his glory, some people are going to go, wow. And their hearts are going to tingle. I don't mean like the Mormons. Oh, I got a burning in my bosom. But they're going to hear and go, that means something to me. I want more of that. I want to hear more about that. They have heard the Savior's voice. It's not your savvy in sharing the gospel. It's his voice that they hear. Likewise, if somebody, after your testimony, thinks you're maybe a few eggs short of a dozen, they go, yeah, and then walk away. You don't have to beat yourself up. They didn't hear his voice bringing them into the kingdom is not your responsibility it's his will they hear the savior's voice through your mouth or not i hope and pray that our words would conform to the voice of the good shepherd the last thing will be done here and this is just this is so sweet is that you are known by the shepherd Verse 3 says, he calls you by name. He doesn't just call the flock. He calls you by name and leads you out. I mean, I, I, I love Dr. Bob. Up the street, he's my neighbor. I'm betting he doesn't know the names of everybody up at first. Lance Bourgeois, the senior pastor at Grace. Great teacher. Love Grace. Love the... Love what they're doing at grace. But I'm thinking he probably doesn't know everybody at grace. That's so why he's got like 500 under pastors there who do know the clusters of people. They can't know. That's no indictment against them. You just, you just have a church that big. You can't know everybody. Jesus Christ knows every one of his sheep and he calls them by name. He has time for you. He knows your limps. He knows your scars. He wants to be your strength where you are weak. So he would be glorified and you would be blessed. And look at the depth of intimacy here. Look at verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. He doesn't stop there. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. In the depth of intimacy between Father and Son, Jesus says that intimacy is ours with Him as well. Both now and forevermore. Saint the shepherd will lay down his life. He has laid down his life for you. He will provide for you. He knows you and loves you. So if you hear him call today, do not turn a deaf ear. You do not know when you will lose that ability to hear him ever again. In the past, you may have responded swiftly and excitedly when you heard the Savior's voice, but today you feel inert. Meh. Everything's gray. Repent of your dull ears. Beg the Father that you might have eyes to see and ears to hear. Beg Him that He would pull off the scales and clean out the wax. That you again would hear the Lord's voice. As sweet music again. If you want this saint. If you want this. Beg him for it. Think of Jacob. Wrestling with the angel of the Lord. I am not going to let you go. Until you bless me. Hold on to the good shepherd. Like your life depends upon it. Because it does. Let's pray. Father, uh, stupid sheep. So often we want to go our own way. So often we want to just sit in places that are not good for us. We beg that we would truly see you as the good shepherd. That we would trust you where you would lead us, wherever that would go. This seems like a weird place to go, but we're going to trust you. This seems like a really steep path, but we're going to trust you. Oh God, even though you would take us through the valley of the shadow of death, let us fear no evil for you are with us, your rod and your staff. They comfort us. Oh Jesus, we thank you. We are weak and we are feeble. We ask that you would Give us the strength to follow after You through the power of the Holy Spirit and the encouragement and exhortation of Your Word. We beg this in Jesus' name. Amen.